all scripture is God breathed. God breathed. And the word breath. The word breath makes me think of the spirits, because the word spirit actually means wind. And so it's the Holy Spirit has inspired all scripture. We might not understand it. It might seem weird to us at times. If you read through from Genesis to Revelation, you won't get far before you've got questions. <laughs> but what are we going to do? Are we going to say our intelligence is what was, is going to guide us? Or are we going to surrender? We're going to offer our bodies, which includes our brains, as living sacrifices. We're going to say, I've taken a faith step to say that the Bible is the Word of God. So this is God-breathed. And the fact that I don't understand it, or it seems to contradict something else, is a, an indication of my own limitations, not the mm. inaccuracy of Scripture. And that's a huge faith um, step to take. And we can spend some of our lives wrestling with some of those, all of our lives, wrestling with some of those ideas, that all Scripture is God-breathed and useful. It's, it's okay that it's God-breathed, but it's also useful. Well, it would be. <laughs> if God's breathed it, it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It's useful. And so we teach from the Bible when we um, give teaching. It's not just the latest uh, life coaching, the latest science, the latest brain science. It's what does the scripture say about this issue? And if the scripture doesn't speak directly about an issue we're teaching on, we look at scriptures that point us in the right direction. Scripture is the first point of call for teaching in this church. And other churches, and this isn't to criticise them, but I'm just saying this, other churches um, have, have different pillars. And Scripture is one of the three, four pillars, whatever they are. You know, tradition is one of the pillars. And um, ancient teachings is another pillar in some churches. They, they go back to what did Clement of Alexandria say, or somebody else from the past. Um, but we just go for Scripture. Because it's only scripture that is said to be God-breathed. So that's our first scripture. And it's useful for teaching. It's useful for rebuking. Well, nobody really wants that, do we? It's useful for rebuking. Wow, that's quite a, to rebuke someone is to tell them off. It's to say, come on, you've got it wrong here. The scripture says otherwise. Let me put you right. And we've got to do everything in love. So... We've got to show people kindness when we use... It's a scripture that can do the rebuking. Let the scripture speak for itself and people might um, choose to accept or reject that. But I don't think what we're saying here is that um, anything that someone's doing wrong in the world that isn't lined up with scripture, we just bang the Bible at them and say, well, I can rebuke you with this scripture because they haven't given their lives to it. Don't blame the world for acting like the world. But within the church context... There may be a time where scripture rebukes me, you know, as I read it. Or I may have to come alongside Dave Barnett and say, Brother, the scripture says, do not get drunk on wine. Put the bottle away, man. I can use that example because it's not a problem for Dave. I did have a couple of glasses last night. This is turned into a confession mode. <laughs> Jesus, you priest, not me. So talk to him about that. Okay, no. Uh, maybe I'll hit on the... It's useful for teaching. It's useful for rebuking. But that's in the context of love amongst brothers and sisters, I would, I would suggest to you. And, and let it rebuke you. 
Take, you know, that Jesus phrase about taking the log out of your own eye before you take the speck of dust out or, or splinter out of someone else's. Let the scripture rebuke you first. And let's lay our lives on the altar again. This is part of our worship, is to be people of the word. It's useful for correcting, which is a nicer word uh, when we're looking at rebuking. Correcting is a bit gentler, isn't it? Um, someone's less off the rails. So it's just bringing them back. And training in righteousness. Because we have a righteousness in Christ. We, we are made righteous. When Jesus looks at me, he doesn't see my sin. I am righteous. I am justified in the court of heaven's law. The devil can come and, and accuse me of all these things I've done wrong. And I have done things wrong. But Jesus says, no, all that is paid for. I've taken the punishment. And so I'm righteous already. But as I walk through life, I still get it wrong. And so I need training in righteousness. It's not that I'm not righteous, but I need training to align my living, which is my act of worship, which is what worship is, living life with Jesus at the centre. I need training in it because I get it wrong. And scripture is the best way for me to do that. Even better, if you, can, if you can apply scripture to your life, Monday to Saturday, that's better for you than just having a really good sermon on a, on a Sunday morning. However amazing the preacher is on Sunday morning, if you're getting into the Word and asking Jesus to speak to you through his living, active Word every day, that's probably better for you. Now you will need some teaching because some of it needs explaining. But get into the Word. It's good for training in righteousness. The second scripture on your sheets tells me not just that the Bible is the Word of God, that was the main point, the Bible is the Word of God. All scripture is God brief, that was the first one. The second point is that the Word of God is eternal. It says, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Word of our God endures forever. Amen. Now the context there is, is not necessarily talking about scripture, the Bible. It's about any word of God. I think that's even better. But it also applies to the Bible. The word of God, because we've just learned that all scripture is God-breathed. So all scripture is the word of God. And so the word of God is eternal. So when all this world's folded up, which is what's going to happen, if you read Hebrews 1, it talks about the world being uh, rolled up like a scroll when Jesus comes back. That's that. We've done that now. We're moving on to the next, next life, the, next, um, the new heaven and the new earth. When all that's happened, the Bible is eternal. The Word of God is eternal. So the things in the Bible will still be true. And I, I imagine, I have no idea, we might just be reflecting on some of the things that were prophesied and came, oh, now I understand that bit of the Bible. Because it was still God's Word. His Word is eternal. And if you think about how many words have been spoken with authority that never came true on social media from politicians the fake news that we hear about how much of the words that we hear and absorb into our subconsciouses sometimes that don't even last and some of those words sound really good promises in manifestos and uh, even other people saying things to us that just make us feel good. Because grass, it says the grass withers, grass is nice. I like to roll around in the grass and do a roly-poly down a hill and get hay fever. And... 
And flowers are beautiful. I thought that was interesting. Grass withers and flowers fade, but they're actually beautiful things. I love grass. I, you know, we sometimes wish we had a lawn at our house. We got rid of our lawn because it got kicked to pieces by someone who liked playing football. We didn't get a lot of sun, so we've just gone for gravel. And I just love grass. I actually enjoy mowing grass. Not so much that I want to come and mow anybody else's lawn. <laughs> I'm not quite there yet. I'm selfish. I like mowing my own grass. Grass is beautiful. So words can come that are beautiful. But the grass withers. Those words will wither. Flowers are gorgeous. And words can come that are gorgeous and flatter and encourage. But some of those words don't stand the test of time. But the word of the Lord stands forever. It endures forever. So the word, the Bible is the word of God. Scripture is God breathed. That's number one. Point two was the word of God is eternal. The third point is the word is necessary. It's necessary for personal development, God's way. I've done a lot of training in, in, in coaching, life coaching, and, and, and all that sort of stuff. It was part of my job. Um, I, school paid for me to do all sorts of very, very good quality um, listening skills and coaching and all that sort of thing. Um, and I ended up with an MA in, in that sort of thing. So I know, I've heard lo I know different models of of listening skills and being a skilled helper and all of that sort of thing in helping people get from where they are to where they want to be, their preferred future. It, and there's some really good models. But the Bible is the best thing for you. And it might be hard, you might have to wrestle with it, it might not all be in a really neatly three-point program in the Bible. You've got, to, you've got to search for those jewels in the treasury of Scripture. But it's the most important Thing because it said the word of God is alive and active on your sheet, Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is alive mm -hmm. and active. Yeah. It's incredible, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Oh, what we hold in our hands when we've got a Bible, mm -hmm. or in our pockets when we've got the Bible app on our phone. <coughs> wow. Mm -hmm. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. The word of God can get right into your heart if you let it. It being the word, he being God, he can get right through to your heart. If we open ourselves up to scripture daily. There's a recent survey, um, this is in America because I've searched for probably half an hour looking for some UK statistics. Uh, couldn't find anything that was really up to date, like in the last five years. Um, and in America, and, and it, was, it was a survey, um, but I think it was by the Bible Society, and they only surveyed what they call millennials, but they're people who were uh, 18 to 35 at the time. And, and they did millennial Christians. So people 18 to 35 who go to church regularly, 9% of them, 9, 0, 9, 9% of them read the Bible regularly. It was um, about around 50% read it about twice a month. And then the other 50 more than twice a month. And yet it's alive and it's active. And how much, if, 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 if the Bible is food for the soul, 
there are people starving who, are, who know Jesus. Mm. They, they've accepted the gift of eternal life, but they're not enjoying the benefits on earth, and they are starving. And yet the world will not hold back in feeding us lies, mm. temptations, distractions. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? Distractions all around us. I find billboards distracting. I said before, we're going to um, Leyland soon in, in Lancashire. As you get around Birmingham, there's all these electronic billboards and they keep changing. Oh, what's that? You know, I don't know how it's allowed to have all these big electronic billboards distracting you with images and temptations. And, 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 and you're driving on the M, whatever it is, and, and it's telling you not what website to go to. How am I going to I'm driving. It's probably because the track's nearly always in standstill. You shouldn't be on your phone. But that's like my life sometimes. I'm driving down the road of life, and there's all these billboards and things. And, and in my pocket, there's this Bible, not asking me to speak, you know. But in my spirit, I know. But my mind, my body, my, my you know, the, the flesh side of me is distracted. I don't think I've finished reading this, so I'll go back to the beginning of Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged billboard. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. That's where I stopped. It cuts right through joints and marrow. I believe that can even help us in the road to healing. It's talking about joints and marrow. Yes, that could be metaphorical, it could be symbolic. But let's just get into the word. Because as your mind, I don't know how much brain science and other kind of science, I'm not a scientist, there is to back this up, but I, I am feeling in my experience more and more how much uh, Ill, many, how many illnesses, not every illness, how many illnesses are related to stressful living yeah. and living in a stressful society and living in a, in a society that is misaligned with God's true purpose as he set out in Eden and one day will restore. And we're living in that in-between stage in, in a world that is so misaligned with the rest of God's thinking that it just brings dis-ease, disease. It just brings problem. And, you know, the medical world know about stress-related illnesses. And I'm not saying every illness is because you're not living a peaceful life and, and all that. But I do believe there is a, a large... More than we perhaps realise or give account for. So as we get into the word, and your word is truth, and it brings life to me, and it brings me to life, and I meditate on the word. Don't just read it, I meditate on the word. Roll it over in my mind. Take a verse of scripture that, that stands out to me, and, and stop and think, right, okay, I might not finish today's reading plan, because that scripture stood out to me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll it around in my mind, I'm going to think about it, I'm going to close my eyes and just Ask the Lord, what does that mean to me? I, I honestly believe some of us would be healthier than otherwise. Still haven't finished reading this passage. Uh, it's only one verse. It judges the <laughs> thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So there's a big ouch warning sign stamped on this verse, isn't there? It judges the attitudes and uh, the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Well, without daily Bible reading and application, we will never achieve all that God has for us because our days will be filled with the misinformation that a fallen world naturally bombards us with. So the first point, 
The Bible is the Word of God. The second point, the Word of God is eternal. Third point, the Word is necessary for personal development God's way. And then the last verse on your sheet. There were many more, but they were the four I selected. The Word of God is a sword, which we've already seen. Um, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. In Ephesians 6.17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And you can speak those words out loud, if you dare, if no one's listening, or if someone's listening and will get what you're doing, you can speak those words out loud to situations. I honestly believe that's powerful. Even, again, at a psychological level, for your, for your ears to hear what your mouth has just said, then it, it sort of reinforces it in your psyche. But at a spiritual level, you don't know who's listening. You know God's listening. But just taking that verse of Scripture that speaks into a situation. Now, I'm not saying that you can just pick any Scripture and declare it and you'll get whatever you've declared, because it might not be God's will for you at that time. But if you've got um, a, a verse that just brings peace, like the one I just often just come back to is the Lord is my shepherd. Mm. I'm not saying, you know, God's going to do this thing that I've seen in Scripture, I'm going to claim it for myself. I'm not saying, I'm just saying the Lord is my shepherd. Mm. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm just walking, just saying the Lord is my shepherd. Mm. The Lord is, I'm not even getting further than that in the, in the verses that follow. And just bringing that to a place in my mind, or bringing myself to a place where I've placed myself at the feet of the shepherd and reminded myself that he has good pastures and that he will lead me, the Lord, my shepherd. Speaking it out loud. It's almost like you're telling the demonic who are saying, come this way, go that way. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus used this sword. He recognised it. You know the stories when Jesus was tempted in the, in the desert. Every time the devil came to Jesus to tempt him, he said, it is written. And how could he do that? Because he had all these scrolls in a cart behind him. And he just, oh, I, need, I need an axe, I need a scripture for this temptation. He'd memorised scripture. He'd memorised it. So important that Jesus knew the scripture. I put here that we are, we are not impervious to the values that surround us. And that it's important to recognise we're not, in, we, you know, we're not, we're not immune to the things around us. We're not impervious. Things can get through to us. The values around us on TV, in the world, in the, in the people that you chat to that also have different values from the values in the Word of God, and we will absorb them. It's just a natural thing. If you, you might not be a smoker, but if you sit with someone who's smoking, you will come away smelling of smoke. You're not, and that's just you in the world. You know, you're sitting with someone who is saying things that are misaligned with God's way, you will absorb that way of thinking. I'm not saying you'll think like that and start speaking, but long enough without correcting yourself with the word of God, that could be a problem. I've been there. I've been there in, in, in a Christian school, a church, a church school, but not every member of staff there will say things that are aligned with the word of God, and you start to absorb ideas and take them on. Very easy to do. We're not impervious to the values that surround us. 
That's why it's good to not give up the habit of meeting together and absorb some of this culture that is kingdom culture. The values that surround us are frequently inconsistent with, a, with biblical principles. Weekly attendance at church at a church gathering is not enough to combat this. I've just said that we pick up things as we go through life. Weekly attendance at a church gathering is not enough to combat this. You could have an hour and a half, two hours here of your week and then go out, walk out the door and then you just start gathering evidence that contradicts some of the things you've heard, thought, even prayed out loud. If you're not staying close to Jesus and reading his word, the only antidote is daily devotion to God's word along with constant communion throughout the day. And when I say communion, it doesn't just mean taking bread and wine. Communion means being together in community with someone. Okay, so I said communion last week uh, in, in, in that same context and wondered if not everybody gets what that means. Communion means being close to somebody, like the word community. We're together. Constant communion with Jesus throughout the day. Right, so on Facebook, I put a question on Wednesday. I put something like, to my Bible reading friends, what is the significance of the Bible in your everyday life? What is some, some people in here answered. I haven't written all of them down. If you remember Alan Thompson, he used to come to the church, Scottish lad, always wore shorts, um, and used to meet in the school hall. He moved back to Scotland because Brixham was too busy for him. I love that. <laughs> Brixham, too busy, too busy here. I won't try and do his voice. Um, he wrote this. Scripture helps undo the damage social media and the news does to my brain. Yeah, I thought it was great. In such a short sentence, he said everything I've said. And then a smiley face. Scripture helps undo the damage social media and the news, and he put news in inverted commas, actually, which I thought, you know, he's saying a lot through not many characters. Scripture helps undo the damage social media and the news does to my brain. An ex-pupil of mine said, and I didn't really know that he was a Bible reader, to be honest, he, he said, uh, the question was, what's the significance of the Bible in your everyday life? He put, my honest answer is, I don't know, but... I know I feel better when I've read some of the scripture. <laughs> Great, I just love that. If I am feeling low, it is my go-to. And it reminds me of how great things can be. An ex-colleague wrote, To me, the Bible is a firm, consistent, dependable, stable rock to stand on. It shows me the difference between good and evil, right and wrong, truth and lies, as opposed to the constantly shifting sands of public opinion yeah. and the deteriorating standards of a society that calls good evil and evil good. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thelmarie Curtis. Yeah. <laughs> she wrote too much to read right now. Yeah, the last sentence says, The destination I'm heading for is too important not to look at the map along the way. Mm -hmm. to make sure I'm on the right road. Mm -hmm. Ace. 
Craig Clarkstone. Oh. He was at school with me and became a Christian after we left school. I find I always have lots of distractions to keep me from reading it. I find discipline helps and worship helps break the spiritual resistance. So I thought, well, I'll read that because that ties our two, first two values together. Worship helps me to read the word. If I worship God, I'm less likely to resist reading his word and re resist opening myself up to it. Then it is much easier to study and read. When I enter into Bible study, I go in with a mindset of how can I understand God more? I notice when I really drill down and put the Lord first at the beginning of each day, everything else is much easier. And I feel more able to face the struggles of the world. So they're just a selection of the responses I got. So that was what we need to know. We need to know the Bible is the word of God. It's eternal, it's important, it's essential um, for our spiritual development and it is a sword, and Jesus used that sword against the devil, so if Jesus had to do that, we should be memorising scripture, um, or at least reading it so often that we start to know it by heart automatically. I just paused as soon as I said memorising scripture, because I just don't want anyone to slip into works and start feeling under pressure and all that sort of thing, but can you just see the importance of knowing scripture in your head and not having to turn to it? So what do we need to do? Well, one last... So that was what we need to know. Now what we need to do. Uh, one last Facebook response came from Sylvia Northcott. <laughs> if I ask the Holy Spirit, he gives me a new meaning or understanding of my reading for the day, even if it's a verse or chapter I've read loads of times before. Just need to give him the time to show me. It's supernatural. <laughs> just needs to give him the time. Mm. If this is what we say is a value in our church, mm. which we have decided one of the unmovable values that we will have as a church in a changing, shifting world, is that the word of God is paramount in our lives. That we will use the Bible as a guidebook to life, and by life we mean more than just daily living, we mean it as a guidebook to living the life that is eternal. We need to give time. And if anything, if there's any indication from the script, sorry, from the statistic I quoted in America of the millennials, if there's any indication for us that that might mean that some of us aren't reading our Bible every day, or somebody watching later because I'll try and put this on, try and put this on uh, YouTube later. If anyone watching who isn't reading the Bible every day, I hope this is challenging you in a positive way. I have ten points now. <laughs> Number one, these are things we need to do. You don't have to write them down. They just, it just helped me organise my thoughts. Number one, recognise the power of a habit. Recognise the power of a habit. Our habits shape who we are. We have habits, and by definition, we do those things without thinking. And they can be good, and they can be bad. And if we can recognise that our habits shape who we are, that's the first point. That's the first thing we need to do. And the second thing is to identify your existing habitual behaviours. Have a, have a look at your life. What am I habitually doing? 
I have to have coffee by 11 o'clock in the morning. That's a habit. I habitually clean my teeth. Number three, create a habit, perhaps linking it to or replacing an existing habit. I have coffee by 11 o'clock every morning. If I'm at home, habitually, I won't have that coffee unless I can have it with Andrea if she's at home. And habitually, we will read something together and pray together. That's become a habit. It's routine. If Andrea's at home and I'm making coffee, it would just seem completely out of order for me just to make that coffee and have it on my own because it's just become a habit that we've formed. So I've, I've, I've linked a habit to a habit. So every time I do that, I think, oh, time to sit and pray with Andrea. So maybe you've got a habit that's okay. Maybe it's putting the kettle on. Every time you put the kettle on, I'm now going to link in my brain, I'm going to link that habit to, what's the last piece of the Bible I read? And when was it? You know, it's just linking it or replacing the habit. Every time I feel like doing X, which is a bad thing, I'm going to do Y, which is a good thing. And in this case, I'm going to read a Bible verse. If you've got a smartphone, it's easier than ever because the, the, the lock screen can have the verse of the day on if you have the U version Bible app. It's the best Bible app there is because it's free, there's no advertising on it. It's been done as a ministry rather than a money-making scheme. And you, they, sometimes I use that to help me pray. They've, they've introduced a section within the YouVersion Bible app where you can do pray, and it gives you a verse to pray about. It tells you why don't you praise God for something to do with this verse, and then it moves on to some requests. And it just helps you, and it tells you to slow down. It says, it, sometimes it says, take a few breaths. You know, so that's all within the U-version Bible. So you could think, every time I do X, which is, let's say X is an okay habit now, but it also frees me up. Every time I do X, my left hand is free, so I could hold, if you, if you have got a smartphone with a Bible app, this is just, you know, not for everybody. I'm just going to look at the verse of the day. Because if you're not reading the Bible at all, that's going to be your starting point. Now, we might graduate to more meat than that, but I'm trying to start at the very bottom for anybody who, so nobody feels bad about <laughs> not reading the Bible. Okay, so we're creating a new habit, replacing an old one or just linking it to an existing habit. Number four was try a Bible reading plan. And again, in the Bible app, you can, there's loads of Bible reading plans that you can do. Some of them are just three days long, so it's bite size, and you just do that three days. Others of them do the whole Bible in a year. I don't do those because I get overwhelmed. Um, I'm doing one that's the New Testament in a year. So I end up reading about one chapter of the New Testament a day. But even when you're in Luke, that's too long. You know, so I just have to say, catch me up. You can do catch me up as well if you miss a day and it just realigns all the calendar for you. Um, try a Bible reading plan. It helps to create a habit and some consistency in what you're reading. You're not just cherry-picking your favourite verses. Number five, don't try too hard. Any new habit you're trying to form, you start off with enthusiasm 
and so you do more than is realistic for every day, and so then by day four, five, six, you are struggling to keep up the momentum of what you started in enthusiasm, so don't try too hard. Tell yourself, that's enough for now. That's good, that's enough for now. Even uh, John Ortberg, who's written some great books, a Bible teacher, um, on something like this, he's to do with habit forming, he said, um, at the beginning, it's good to stop when you feel like you could do a bit more, and it actually takes discipline to stop early, and it feels counterintuitive. Stop while you're still a bit hungry, because in, the, in six weeks' time, that will, you know, it'll help. It'll just help you keep going. Okay, so five was don't try too hard. We're halfway through my ten points. I wasn't joking, I had ten points. Number six, ask God to help you build the habit. Let's not do this on our own. Let's bring God in. Just thought it was important to say. You know, because there's a lot of coaching out there. We can quit this, we can do that. But we've got God. Let's ask God to help us. Lord, and we can do that when, we finish, when I finish talking in a few moments. Number seven, ask God to help... To, sorry, ask God to speak to you as you read his word. Word and prayer together. Word and prayer together. This is not meant to be a brain exercise. So number eight was don't treat it as academic or for head knowledge. Be intellectually inquisitive by all means, but the point is to feed your soul, not your brain, and to build your relationship with God, not just your Bible knowledge. So... Ask him to speak to you. Ask him to speak to you through his experience. You're interacting with the Bible, which is living and active. So ask the living author to speak to you by his Holy Spirit as you read. As we, the last Facebook quote said, if I ask the Holy Spirit, he gives me a new meaning or understanding of my reading for the, the day. Even if it's a versal chapter I've read loads of times before. Number nine. When struggling with life's difficulties, hold on to a verse of scripture. The first thing we want to do is ring someone, look on your computer for an answer, ask Google. The first place you go to is, is scripture. Financial problems. Where do we go? We go to scripture first. Yeah, we, need, we might need some... Uh, debt counselling, we might need all sorts of advice, but we carry a verse of scripture through the valley that we're going through. When struggling with life's difficulties, hold on to a verse of scripture. Seek God for answers in his word as a first port of call, looking for a word in season or a now word. And finally, when doing well, memorise, harvest, store up grain. So uh, the last point was, the, the previous point was about when struggling, you're going to have this verse that you hold on to. The Lord is my shepherd. Or there may be something else. So when you're struggling, you've got this verse or this passage or this idea in scripture that you just keep reminding yourself of. You meditate on it. You roll it over in your mind as you're walking through. And um, it might completely be contrary to the evidence around you, your circumstances. But when life's going really well, that's a good time to harvest. You know how Joseph said we're going to store up all this grain in the years of plenty, ready for the years of famine, so we can bring out the grain. 
And that's exactly what we do with scripture. We store it up. We treasure it in our hearts. 